0: It is time once again to check in with Rob Shaw, political correspondent for Czech News. Rob, good morning and happy Friday to you.
1: Good morning, happy Friday.
0: We are talking a little bit about BC Ferries. I just wanted to play a very short comment. Uh, This is BC Ferries CEO, Nicholas Jimenez.
1: We're still looking good, uh, but the system's in stress right now. Uh, the, The demands in the system are historic.
0: Historic demands in the system, this coming from the BC Ferries AGM. What else did we learn from that meeting?
1: Well, it's kind of a fascinating meeting because if you were from outer space <laughs> and you parachuted down into that meeting, you would have looked at a ferry company that was doing great. And all of the, the documents that were handed out, the financial numbers, the new first quarterly numbers of BC Ferries that got released yesterday show record traffic. So we had, you know, more than 6 million people walking on since April to the end of June. That's the first quarter numbers that came out yesterday. More than 2 million people driving on. uh, And uh, profit had doubled uh, from this time last year to 15 million. So you're looking at that. You're looking at their year-end numbers. you're, You're coming to this conclusion that, man, BC Ferries is doing really well. The problem is none of the information that came out at the AGM yesterday included the disastrous summer that BC Ferries has had, where you've got the ships breaking down, you have these uh, you know, long lines, websites failing, people who literally can't get on a ferry if they want to. And so this kind of dichotomy between two BC Ferries that on paper look really well and in reality are kind of chaos at the terminals was, was the question to Nicholas uh, Jimenez that you just played right there. And, and it, the question to him was, OK, but like, how is BC Ferries doing right now? Um, having lost so much business in the summer from, uh, you know, ships that, that weren't sailing. Uh, and, and his answer was, well, you know, we're still doing OK, but we're we're stressed. Uh, and, and that was the undercurrent. But, the, you know, the Ferry Corporation <laughs> did the best it could to sort of um, paint a, a different kind of financial picture. And look, like there are more people using B.C. ferries now in a year then use Vancouver International Airport. That was a stat that BC Ferries gave yesterday. It's one of the biggest airports in the world, which is amazing when you think about it. Uh, and, and I guess that's going to generate profit for BC Ferries, at least on paper.
0: Which again, it's an impressive stat, and uh, like you said, if if you had no previous knowledge or you've not taken a ferry uh, maybe ever, it it would it would seem on uh, on on the surface great news. Uh, Probably a surprise to some people that the ferry system is still profitable, given with the, the recent past and what we've seen with BC Ferries, but. Did he get into then the challenges and, and what kind of lies ahead with the, the C-Class vessel out till mid-October? And it's still a busy season, still a lot of people planning trips, especially the upcoming long weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean, BC Ferries is always in the summer, like three to four weeks away from this incredible, busy, long weekend that just hits it, you know, like in the side of the head kind of thing. And so now we've got the Labor Day long weekend and it's ripe for something going wrong, especially with the the coastal uh, renaissance still being out of service until October. So there are big plans for BC Ferries and uh, you have to give them credit when it comes to trying to look to the future. This new CEO is looking uh, ambitiously and, you know, there's everything from New ships, billions of dollars in new ships. He wants to replace all of the uh, the C-class queen ships. You know, the Queen of Surrey and the Queen of Cumberland, and that type of thing. Uh, the they ones got that approval. don't break
0: down as much.
1: That's, yeah, the well, actually the ones that are reliable <laughs> right, from the '70s. Those ones. That's yeah. right. Let's get rid of those. I mean, they are old um, and they have a lifespan, but that that's the next uh, plan to replace those. Uh, the Gulf Islands ferries got approval to be replaced just a couple days ago. Uh, and then there's the, the issue of terminals. They want to streamline the terminals. Anyone who's been to a BC Ferries terminal, you know, it's not a particularly pleasant experience. You're jammed in there. Uh, I can never get the vending machines to work. You know, it, they're old. <laughs> they're, it's, not, it's not fun. And so they're trying to improve that with automation and scanners and things over the next few years where you just be able to drive and, and ticketless kind of um, uh, processes. It's going to cost a lot of money. Uh, and the billions and billions of dollars. And the biggest thing BC Ferries is doing right now is an, uh, what they call sort of a visioning exercise. So by this fall, they're going to be asking people, "What do you want from a, a future BC Ferries? Uh, where do you want the ships to go? Do you want a more walk-on space, more driver space? How do they integrate into transit? What does it look like in you know the, in the decades ahead?" And then they're going to go to government uh, and say, "Hey, look, here's our plan to to meet this modern future." Uh, we need some money. And that that process is going to play out over the next few months is where the rubber meets the road on on the future of BC Ferries. I understand
0: as well that maybe not as high up on the list of topics yesterday or at the AGM, but the buffet also came mm-hmm. up and the the potential future of what's going to happen with that space.
1: Yeah, the buffet is sitting vacant. If you go on a ship right now and you go to the where the coastal buffet used to be, it's closed. And I, you know, people, lots of people liked the buffet. It was very unprofitable for BC Ferries. They were losing millions of dollars when they hit their crew shortage, which they're still suffering. Um, they didn't have the crew necessary to run the thing because it took several people, and so the. The future of the buffet is something that they have been consulting with the public on. Modern day consultations online, like the companies try to do, you know, you get a lot of people going on there and writing in uh, things like, you know, buffet, buffet face, and, you know, what should we replace the buffet with? A bigger buffet. So some other consultations is not going to be helpful, but they, they want to know, do you want food in these spaces? If so, can they do it in a different way? What kind of food? Do you want to just lounge in there? Um, that that sort of thing. And so that is coming. Um, but it, it's going to be like everything in BC Ferries. It's going to be kind of um, contentious, I think. Not everyone is aligned on what they want to do with that space.
0: Continuing now with Rob Shaw, political correspondent for Czech News. And Rob, some uh, interesting developments here. Two First Nations in B.C. say that they are effectively going to shut down public access to one of the most popular parks in this province. Uh, What is happening here?
1: Yeah, you heard about it uh, a bit on the news update earlier, but Joffrey Lakes Provincial Park is closed now because the Lil'wat and Niquakwa nations released a statement uh, last night shutting uh, the public out until Truth and Reconciliation Day at the end of September. Uh, I mean, this is a very popular park. It has those turquoise kind of blue lakes that you see a lot of people on Instagram taking pictures of themselves uh, sitting in front of. It's just past Whistler. Uh, on the way up to Lillooet, uh, and it has dealt with an overwhelming number of visitors in, in recent years. You know, you ever see those videos on <laughs> social media where it, it shows a picture of someone, you know, at this incredible location, looking like they're by themselves, and then it switches and shows you what it looks like behind that, which <laughs> is like fifty people scrambling for a shot on Instagram. Yes. That's what the park's been dealing with, and you know, cars jammed on the side of the road on Highway 99, and the province put in a a free pass program in 2021 to sort of cap the visitors. And as part of that, they worked with the nations and the nations are asserting um, that in there, there were goals which were supposed to support their berry picking and food harvesting and their other traditional uses. And they intend to do that uh, and celebrate their lands uh, with ceremonial activities and um, the public can't come in for that. So that is the situation caught the government completely. By surprise, last night, they've been scrambling to cancel people's camping and pass reservations. I think it, like everything these days, may lead to some type of kind of conflict in person there, or people who don't know that this has happened or don't like that it has happened, showing up and trying to use the park anyways. But uh We will see how that plays out. That's uh, out of nowhere and and catching the province by surprise for sure.
0: And have we heard from the province or are we hoping or expecting that maybe we'll get more of an official statement or response to that later today?
1: Well, there was a statement last night just saying that they had canceled the passes. If anyone is looking for the province to sort of step in here and and reopen the park, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think the province wants to override two nations. The larger question, can First Nations shut down provincial parks? I don't know the answer to that, and I don't think the province knows the answer to that. Uh, Citing UNDRIP, citing the uh, uh, Silco Teen court decision on aboriginal title nations um can do these things uh whether there is public kind of buy-in whether there is government buy-in is a is a different question but this is not a ndp government that's going to sail in there and reopen the park uh there'll be some private conversations but we could be kind of seeing something here that that the government wants to get ahead of to prevent it possibly from leading to to bigger kind of public concerns if other parks are closed but it, it is a, a kind of uncharted territory to have nations do this, and, and we're not quite sure how it's going to go.
0: Right, because you would think, too, well, I, I mean, they put the reasons in that release and that announcement as to why they said that they were shutting the park down, but you've also got to think that that's a, a precedent. If this is allowed to go ahead and everyone's pass is canceled and it's closed until the end of September, what's to stop other First Nations or other groups from shutting other parks down?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of Aboriginal law that um, is, you know, developing um, case by case in the province. Uh, in Indigenous kind of rights and title, the way that the government consults and has to show meaningful consultation on the use of the land, all of that is kind of in flux and constantly changing uh, and strengthening uh, for Indigenous peoples uh, case by case. But in this case... um, it, it, is, it hasn't gone through court. And so the government is kind of left having to decide, does it intervene? Does it go in there and say, unfortunately, we're um, you know, opening this back up for the public? I think there's very little chance that this government is going to do that and spark that kind of conflict with um, these two nations. But you're right. It, there are precedents here that will cause some people to be uncomfortable. Other people will say this helps protect the uh, you know the environment of that park. Uh, And I think there'll be some divided public opinion and some concern within the province that if other nations start to do this uh, without consultation, really, without, uh, you know, getting everyone on board, um, what does it mean and how will the public react? And are we uh, going to have some confrontations here uh, by, you know, Uh, the convoy type mentality that seems to respond to everything these days showing up and challenging this and uh, trying to assert their freedoms and rights and, and uh, making things worse probably, but um, that, that would be unpleasant for everyone. So a developing, uh, unprecedented situation
0: uh, yeah and uh, you're right I would be surprised if there's not some pushback or some p- potentially some uh, confrontation as well I was trying to think though if this uh, in his uh, historical cases of this uh, the only things I could think of was there was at some point I think on the Duffy Lake Road uh, there were some First Nations that were were charging a fee same with the West Coast Trail and under that kind of idea too of, of for maintenance and for for using the land but but I've not I couldn't remember what where something's actually been shut down,
1: yeah. I mean, and those evolve, right? So, on the west coast trail, you have the federal government including and, and contracting to the nations to repair the trail and giving them money to do it, and so it leads to the kind of partnership and sort of you know, um, delegation of responsibilities and money and those type of things. And often it takes a court case to get everyone there, but in this case it's just been declared. And so you're going to have some people, some people in the public who don't know this show up anyways today and tomorrow, even though their, their, passes are canceled. Um, the government didn't really say what it's going to do beyond Sunday. Uh, I guess they just don't issue any more passes, but people, they'll, I mean, people are going to show up anyways. And so that, that will evolve this. And, and there are, very strong, you know, uh, titles and rights um, considerations in law, but this hasn't gone to court yet. And so perhaps someone challenges it in court and we get a ruling that way. There's many different ways this could go, but we don't, we haven't been here before. And that's what makes it so interesting.
0: We will leave it there. Rob, thank you so much and have a great weekend.
1: You too. Take care.